Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You know, at a certain time in our lives, we plan to have this and it wouldn't, didn't work out. We don't have it. At a certain time in our lives, we planned on having our health like we were 25 and that just hasn't worked out. We don't have our health. A certain time in our lives, we planned on being married and having our spouse, and that just didn't work out, and we don't have that spouse. So what's the answer to all this when life doesn't deliver what we planned and expected and hoped for? That's where Leah's words really help us in verse 20. Leah said, God stepped in and gave me the dowry. He gave me a good dowry. Leah said, God hath endued me with a good dowry. See, Leah sees that Jacob didn't provide a good dowry for her, but as she looks at her sons, Leah says, you know what? God did. God provided this good dowry for me. And in that, we see the key to how to rise above discouragement and depression when life just hasn't worked out. What Leah is saying here is that I didn't get the good dowry from my husband as I dreamed I would, but God gave me a good dowry in the form of all these sons. That's a good key for us to see how God takes care of us even though it's not what we hope for, it's not what we plan because he promises he's not gonna leave us, he's not gonna leave us stranded in life and if our loss comes as a result, especially as it comes as a result of following him, the Lord Jesus Christ stepped in specifically on that issue. And he said in assurance in Mark 10, 29 through 30, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that's left house, brethren, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses, brethren, sisters, mother, children, lands, and there'll be persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. See, this is the beauty of what Leah says in verse 20 when she says, God hath endued me with a good dowry. And when we see her saying this in verse 20, God hath endued me with a good dowry, we see Leah doing the three basic activities that are the will of God for us. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16 gives us the first activity, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, the second activity, and then verse 18, the third activity. What are the three activities that are will of God concerning you? First one is? Good. The second one is? Without ceasing. And the third one is? Everyone give thanks. That's everything give thanks. That's it. 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18. 16:13. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So you just have to remember, those you want to remember what they are, remember RPG. 
which stands for rejoice, pray, and give thanks. And that'll become the, that'll become the rocket-propelled grenade against Satan, see? The RPG. Rejoice! Leah rejoiced in having a good dowry of six sons. Pray! Leah was praying for her husband to dwell with her. Give thanks! Leah declared that her six sons came from God. See, that's what she did. That's a good thing she's showing us here. And this habit of giving thanks, it can be transformational in prayer. I mean, here's a homework assignment. This week, before praying for anything, this week, pray for everything. (laughs) And this week, before praying for anything, before praying for anything, think of what to be thankful for and start by thanking the Lord Jesus for something and then pray for your need. See, but, you know, Leah, she's like us. She vacillates, we vacillate. And sometimes she's above her problems and she's praising the Lord and she's giving thanks to God. And at other times, she sinks down and she's complaining and and resorting to giving her maid to her husband. But in this statement, in verse 20, when she said, God hath endued me with a good dowry, she's on top. She's rejoicing. She's giving thanks. Leah just has a little bit of trouble with the first Thessalonians 5.16 with that word evermore and a little bit of trouble, you know, rejoice evermore. And Leah like has a little trouble in first Thessalonians 5.18 with the everything part of in everything give thanks. But for this time, she's doing great. Leah's life, we can see her as a description. We look at Leah, at least in this verse right now, and we say, you know who Leah's like? Psalm 113.9. Oh, she's a Psalm 113.9 lady. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. See, Leah was the barren woman who the Lord made to keep house and to be a joyful mother of her children. That's an interesting word in Psalm 113, verse 9, for keep. When it says he maketh the barren woman to keep house, that word is yashab, not yashav, yashab, which means to sit down or settle down. You know, today it's a blessing to find a woman who's willing to sit down and settle down in the home and keep house, as it says, you know, with scenes of Carly Ferrana and Hillary Clinton and these women, then it just encourages women. I want to get out of the home and realize my full potential. It's not here changing diapers, I'll tell you. It's, uh, you know, running HP. I got to get out and be. And women find it stifling to sit down and dwell, keep in the home, and they find that to stay home with the children is like being locked up in a prison cell. And instead of being a joyful mother of children, they see being home as a grumpy prison guard of children. (laughs) But what a wonderful title for a woman whose dream in life is to stay or dwell at home with her children. And the title is Joyful Mother of Children, Psalm 113. Now, again, Leah expresses her heart when she says in Genesis verse 20, God hath endued me with a good dowry. Now will my husband dwell with me because I've born him six sons. She called his name Zebulun. She longs for her husband to dwell with her. And I mean, Leah had a tent and Rachel had a tent. And every night she watches, you know, Jacob come up that path, dragging his tail behind him. He's so beat. He's so tired. And she knows that Jacob's got a choice that night. Are you going to turn and go into Leah's tent or are you going to go into Rachel's tent? And every evening, evidently, Jacob just went into Rachel's tent and dwelt with Rachel. 
And every evening, Leah would watch Jacob, who she kept calling, my husband, my husband, my husband. And she would watch her husband go into her sister Rachel's tent, and it would break her heart. And so she just felt so lonely, and and she would spend the evening yearning with one hard cry, oh, that my husband would come into my tent and dwell with me. And that was her heart cry, that her husband would dwell with her. This is a Hebrew word that she used for dwell. It's a unique one. It's not the normal word for dwell, the word zabal. And it has in its root meaning the idea of circling around or enclosing. And so Leah dreamed of having a little nest where their husband, where her husband would just come and just wrap his arms around her and encircle her. With the Zabal enclosure, she would feel secure. She would feel protected. That's what she yearned for. And she expressed that yearning with the name of her sixth son, Zebulun, which mean, could be mean enclosure. So Leah thinks that because Jacob has six sons from her in her tent, uh, her tent's got six sons, and Rachel's only got two sons in her tent, she thinks, you know, that, well, Jacob's going to come to my tent instead of Rachel's tent. But doesn't happen. That's going to be the heartbreak of Leah's for the rest of her life. But this is the heartbreak that drives Leah to God because God loves Leah. And therefore, this heartbreak is the loving, chastening hand of God on Leah, as it says in Proverbs 3.12, for whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father in whom he delighteth. See? So she's saying here, really, notice in verse 20 here how it's written. She's not saying, I hope that my husband will dwell with me. Leah, the way she puts it here, it's a declaration. She's declaring, my husband will dwell with me. Jacob, do you hear that? If you know what's good for you, (laughs) I'm making a promise of assurance. Now will my husband dwell with me. I feel like someone's going to get killed here. Anyway, from this statement, we can see how Leah's running out of patience. And she's saying, I've given him six sons already. And all I want for him is just dwell with me. Now, we see in verse 21, it says, Afterwards, she bare a daughter and called the name Dina. If you want to say Dinah, you can say Dinah, but it's Dina. Anyway, so she gives birth to a daughter, and she names Dina, which has the same meaning as Dan, which is judge. Now, this is not the only daughter that Jacob had. There were other daughters. They're not mentioned except at the time when Jacob gets the news that Joseph has been killed by wild beasts, which wasn't true, but he didn't know. And then we see that he had the other daughters because it says in Genesis 37, 35, Genesis 37, 35 says, and all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. He said, I'll go down to the grave to my son mourning. So he had daughters, but we don't know anything about them. All we know is about Dina. And This teaches us something very important about the Bible. God tells us what is important for us to see in order to draw out and teach us lessons for this life and for eternity. That's what the Bible is. The Bible is not written from a defensive point of view to prove that it's true or to prove that it's the Word of God. The Bible is written for those who come to it already believing that it's true that it's the word of God, and they're trusting it, and they want to learn from God the lessons for their souls. 
See, that's the goal of the Bible. It's not to give a comprehensive report of what happened so that you can have all of this information to convince the skeptics. The Bible has a higher goal of teaching those who trust it. Therefore, the account of Dina's birth is recorded here because of an important history in Dina, which is coming in Genesis 34. It's going to follow And so it's important for us to know where Dina came from, while the other daughters are not mentioned because there's no teaching histories that God wants to instruct us from them. See, there's a selection in the Bible of what's recorded. And the selection of what to record in the Bible is what John meant when he wrote in John 21, 25. There are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. That's the way he ended. So then we could ask John the question, okay, John, if there was so much that was not written, what was the basis for choosing what you did write in the Gospel of John? And John would answer with John 20, 30-31. He would say, I'll tell you, Many other signs, truly, did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So he tells us the purpose for selecting what was written is to persuade, persuade people to believe two truths about the Lord Jesus. First, that he was sent from God. That's the wording of Messiah or Christ. See, that's what Nicodemus said when he came to him. He believed that in John 3, 2. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. That's what Messiah means. For no man can do these miracles except thou do accept God be with him. See, that's what Messiah means. Sent from God. Come from God. But that's not enough. That's not enough. The second point is essential to believe that he is the Son of God or God the Son. That's the meaning of the name, the Lord, that's God, Jesus Christ, Messiah, come from God. See, to embrace Messiah, embrace him, embrace Jesus as the Messiah or Christ, as sent from God and as God the Son, that's the path to life through his name. And that's what John said, that's what I'm doing That's why I wrote all these things. I selected, he confesses. I selected what to write. I didn't put this down for skeptics to prove to them that this is true. I wrote this down to persuade those who were the lost and the sinful and needed God. Now the focus changes from Leah to Rachel, and we read in verse 22, we read here, and God remembered Rachel and God hearkened to her and opened her womb. God remembered Rachel. What a wonderful statement. God remembered. God remembered Rachel. When was the first time that we read in the Bible that God remembered? In fact, it's the first time when remembered is used. What? You can look in your concordance <laughs> or your iPhone. <laughs> and God remembered. That's it. And God remembered Noah, Genesis 8, 1. And every living thing. You remember the every living thing too. And all the cattle. You remembered them also. With him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth. And the waters assuaged. See that's the first time it's recorded that God remembered when Noah was in the ark. The waters had covered the face of the earth. And came those beautiful words. God remembered Noah. Do you remember the second time? Do you remember? (laughs) Do you remember the second time when it says God remembered? 
It's very interesting. It's in Genesis 19.29. It came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered. Who do you think God remembered then? You'd think that, wouldn't you? It was Abraham. God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overflow. That's why you'd think that. When he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelled. See, that's the second time when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It says God remembered Abraham. Those are beautiful pictures with a particular meaning for us because we, we just consider those situations and the desperacy of those conditions when God remembered. You know, Genesis 8.1, there's Noah. He's in a boat. He's, the whole earth is filled with water. There's no port. There's no harbor. There's no terra firma. There's no ground for him to land on. That's a bad situation because he's not a fish. <laughs> Noah's not a fish. He can't live in the water. The living things in this boat are not a fish, and the cattle are not fish, and they can't live in the water. And so they needed land. They needed the waters to subside for the land to appear. It was in their great need that God remembered Noah and all that was with him in the ark and made the waters to subside. That was the context of God remembered. And second, in Genesis 19.29 was the time when fire and brimstone were going to rain down on Sodom and Gomorrah, and there was no way anyone could be saved from that. But God remembered and saved Lot. And see, the statement there, God remembered, as you saw, it means in Genesis again, you know, God remembers Noah, God remembers Lot in this time of impending doom when they were powerless to save themselves. God remembered to save them. That's our state. That's our condition in our lives. We sit in a boat like Noah that can only survive for so long. And then rescue's got to come from God. We'll only live so long. And then we're going to die. And if you're a man, it's 76.4 years here in the U.S., funny how I know that figure so well. <laughs> anyway, and then we're going to die. And we must all have God to remember us and rescue us by taking us to heaven. And in our lives, we're like a lot. We're in a place that's destined for judgment. We're dependent on God remembering us to rescue us like he rescued Lot from judgment. That's what's so wonderful but there's even something, as we, as we were just talking about, and then Genesis 19, 29, it's wonderful. God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out. It doesn't say God remembered Lot and saved him. It says God remembered Abraham and saved Lot. Why is that important? Because it says Abraham was a friend of God, and Abraham prayed for Lot. In the same way, Lot was dependent on God to remember Abraham to save him. Maybe Lot would pray, you know, Lord, remember Abraham. <laughs> yeah, I know you don't have, there's not so good in my life, but remember him at least. Yeah? If Lot were to pray like that, remember Abraham. And when we pray for our rescue, we should pray, Lord, remember your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and remember how he died for me, and then rescue me. Remember the blood of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and remember how it was shed for me, and then saved me. See, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of overthrow. So the fact that this statement, God remembered, has been used in the setting of Noah on the waters of death, Lot in the city of death, and now used for Rachel in her barrenness, causes us to see that Rachel wanting to have children was as helpless as Noah and Lot. Her only hope could come from God remembering her. 
And having remembered, it says, and he hearkened to her. It says that, and he hearkened to her. So again, God heard Rachel's prayers. Beautiful picture. Again, Rachel praying to God. Many people go through life and never pray. They face terrible, desperate situations. They refuse to pray. There's such a relief. There's such a release to hear someone say, let's pray. You ever felt that way? You're all tensed up and someone says, let's pray. And it's like you took the, you turned the pressure cooker and you let the steam out. To say, let's pray, is to say what Jehoshaphat said when he had saw this innumerable group of armies coming against him from Syria, Ammon and Moab. Pastor Chapel just got back from the Golan Heights in Israel, and he said the soldiers were scared. and said, why? We saw Russian jets flying back and forth. That's a scary sight. This was a scary sight for Jehoshaphat. He saw innumerable army. They weren't coming for a picnic. They were coming against him. He looked at the situation. He had no option. He was desperate, and Jehoshaphat essentially said, let's pray. And the text of his prayer is given to us in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 5. 2 Chronicles 25. Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem, the house of the Lord, before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art thou not God in heaven? Rulest thou not over all the kings of the heathen? In thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art thou now our God, who dost drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel? Gave us to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever. And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil come upon us, and as a sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, we stand before this house in thy presence, thy name is in this house, cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. Now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldst not let Israel invade, when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them, destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they rewarded us to cast us out of this possession which thou hast given to inherit. O God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. See, that's the key to his prayer. We have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. That's what prayer is. It's to confess we have no power or ability to deal with this. It's to say we have no might. That's what prayer is, is to confess that even if we have the strength, we don't know what to do. We don't have the knowledge. Neither know we what to do. That's what prayer is. Change the focus from ourselves to God, but our eyes are upon thee. That was Rachel in verse 22. For the dilemma of her barrenness, she had the prayer of, I have no might to make myself conceive. I don't know what to do to make myself conceive, but my eyes are upon thee to conceive. And with that prayer of faith, God remembered her, God opened her womb, she conceived. That's what it means, James 4, 2. You have not because you ask not. Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, it shall be opened unto you. Everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. John 4, 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Rachel was asking, God was remembering, and her womb was open. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Help us to remember it and to learn the lessons that change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. (music) 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.